Welcome to Recruiting Daily's Use Case Podcast, a show dedicated to the storytelling that happens or should happen when practitioners purchase technology. Each episode is designed to inspire new ways and ideas to make your business better as we speak with the brightest minds in recruitment and HR tech. That's what we do. Here's your host, William Tincup. Ladies and gentlemen, this is William Tincup, and you are listening to the Use Case Podcast. Today we have Akash on from Naya, and we'll be learning about the business case or the use case for why customers and prospects purchase Naya. So let's just jump right into it. Akash, would you do us a favor and introduce both yourself and Naya? Sure. First off, William, thanks for having me on the show. I'm a big, big fan of the community and uh, really excited to share more of our story. So my name is Akash Magoon. I'm one of the co-founders and also the CTO of Naya. Uh, Naya is a company based in New York City, and we build software to personalize the way that Americans and employers choose and use their benefits, their employee benefits. And we do that through leveraging the world's data and machine learning and data science to really help consumers during open enrollment understand the various options they have between medical plans, dental plans, and voluntary benefits, and also retirement benefits as well, uh, using data about them and their families to make sure we can guide them to the right decisions. And uh, we've been around as a company for three years. And in those three years, we've raised over $100 million to date. And most recently in March of 2022, announced our Series C. Well, congratulations. Raising money is, is never easy, no matter what people tell you. Uh, but I've, I've wanted to uh, talk to you all for a long time because you've been on my radar because uh, this has always been a pain point. Benefits enrollment, benefits communication uh, has always been a pain. The way that we've historically kind of you know, gotten people around to open enrollment is more marketing communications and employee communications, which is great but not technology, uh, not necessarily technology, not necessarily data-driven. And I love the way that y'all solve for hyper-personalization, your company, your, uh, you know, your family, you know, what you've got going on, here's what's available, recommendation engine, you know, based on consumption, you know, based on utilization, et cetera. So uh, I, I absolutely love what you do. Um, so let's let's take the audience into because I've I've studied y'all for a long time so I'm 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 glad to be here, uh, but let's let's bring the audience up to date with kind of why you exist because you know there's there was a there's a real need three like probably four five years ago when you first started this uh, to bring data and bring AI machine learning etc into this particular you know juncture in HR. Sure. So my, my co-founder and I actually got our start uh, working with large insurance companies and in particular, helping those insurance companies understand the different segments of employees within, uh, within large uh, employer populations. And for a second, we'll imagine that you were head of HR at Coca-Cola and you have 80,000 employees in the US. Your workforce is really, really diverse. On one end of the spectrum, you might have your average warehouse worker that's 48 years old on average, usually married, two and a half kids, significant debt because they have mortgages on their homes and they're saving it for retirement. And on the flip side, you might have your average software engineer at Coca-Cola that lives in cities like New York and San Francisco 
29 years old on average, usually single, very little debt. If they have debt, it's student debt. And they're also optimizing for different things compared to the former example. And so as head of HR, Will, you're going to reach out to all the insurers like United Healthcare and Blue Cross and Aetna. And then for retirement, you might reach out to BlackRock and Vanguard and the others. And you have a pretty difficult decision to make, which is how do you offer a curated set of plans for all the different segments of, in your workforce? And we were helping the underwriters at these insurers at the time in our past lives understand the different breakdown of employees within your company and what the needs might be. And we realized that the whole uh, industry that's meant for the end consumer isn't really focusing on, on the consumer. And we wanted to bring uh, a different lens to that. At the same time, Will, we got a lot of inspiration from the internet companies, uh, where when you go to amazon.com and you go to the homepage, you're getting a set of recommendations. They're recommending you this baseball cap uh, because they know what you've bought in the past. They know what other people like you also purchased. They know what you might have bought or watched on, on uh, Netflix uh, via cookies they share with them or where you traveled from um, Expedia cookies they may partner with. And so given all this, they use all this curated data to make you a recommendation. Where is that in the benefits experience? Uh, benefits is largely uh, largely the biggest expense that Americans family, American families make in a given year perhaps outside of a house if they bought a house that year, but benefits, particularly health insurance, is probably the biggest single line item in a family's uh, checkbooks in a given year. And so where's that personalized experience uh, like we've seen in e-commerce in the benefits world? And so that was really the inspiration. And how it manifests into our product today, Will, is we partner with, um, with employers whereby during open enrollment, the employee comes to NIA and in an eight to 10 minute journey like TurboTax, they go through a small questionnaire where we learn about you, your family, your medical background, your financial footprint, uh, things that might be unique to your situation, like are you planning to have a kid, uh, things about uh, where you stay and how much money you might want to leave back, um, should there be something catastrophic. And using all this, we go in and make a recommendation that isn't only sounded to you, uh, but also is one that you can afford. So a few things. Um, on, the, on Do you, do you all, because you mentioned... Uh, health benefits, which I which I, I, I totally get. But you also, uh, I think you touched on financial benefits as well. So do you you, you touch, uh, did I get that right? Do you do both? We do both. Uh, and we didn't start with both. We actually started right. on the health. We started on the health side. But one of the things that became very, very clear to us is people's health and their wealth are inextricably yep. linked. And so if we're educating somebody on a consumer-driven health plan, and also on the benefits of an HSA, and we're recommending them to put money into an HSA, well, it also makes sense for us to have purview and a voice on 401k as well. And sometimes for particular people, a 401k might make more sense in an HSA, and sometimes vice versa uh, could make sense as well, or perhaps a balance. And so having that view into retirement and us being able to navigate individuals to the right decisions from that perspective uh, were the reasons that we wanted to pair it on, with with medical enrollment, which is the more traditional concept of open enrollment, as you know, do you do you foresee a future where uh, wellness is also you know uh, you know other other benefits, if you will? So if we think of financial and health, uh, you can obviously you can start cutting that a lot of diff different ways. Do you do you see wellness in there and in the future? We do, and it's a it's a growing part of our product offering. Um, I think over the last 
few years, uh, given the, the changes to to the you know macroeconomic and health climate. Uh, mental health is a mm-hmm. is a big thing that a lot of employers are focused on. Uh, prenatal care is things that are employers are focusing on, and and wellness as well. And so uh, one of the things that we do is understanding an employee and their unique situation. How can we nudge them to take action on other benefits they may have as well? So a lot of employers are offering what we call mental health digital solution offerings, like a ginger health or a talk space, mm-hmm. uh, for example, and being able to navigate employees to these third-party offerings that their employers are investing a lot of time and money and effort in uh, is something that we, we truly do. And we've seen that become a big focus area of a lot of our customers. I love this. On the corporate side, do you, I, I don't want to assume that you work on the corporate side uh, in terms of like the people that work in total rewards and specifically in benefits and benefits management. Uh, but if you do, um, how do you work with them to uh, like with the data that you see? Because I know that in, in picking benefits in the past, it's it's always been a struggle to kind of know well what should we offer? Like what's you know what's going to actually get consumed and utilized versus what's what's not? Like because it's it's at least it's been a part voodoo and mysticism in the past. And you're sitting on a bunch of data that isn't voodoo and mysticism. <laughs> so how do you interact with the benefits managers? That's a really great question. As you know, we've been focusing on empowering the, the end employee mm-hmm. to make the strongest decisions. Yep. But then how do we year over year take all the learnings and all the data that consumers give us in, with, with, with confidence? How do we use that to inform the employer or even the consultant uh, and brokers that we partner right. with as well, uh, the, light, the right data. And you'd be surprised. We, we actually uh, meet with many of our customers on a, on a frequent cadence where we'll take aggregated and anonymized learnings from our platform and share that with them. One example is uh, one, of, one, of our, one of our earliest customers, we learned that um, there was a huge uptick in employees that share that they're looking to have a kid within the next two years. And that's something that when we met with the employer and we shared with them, they actually had no insight into. And with that insight, uh, they were able to offer a new maternal benefit. They were able to offer uh, additional benefits as far as uh, getting second opinions when, when having a baby. Uh, on the flip side, we've had uh, employers that, going back to the previous example, um, wanted to really dive double, wanted to double click into mental health benefits because at the onset of a pandemic, they were finding much of their workforce, um, you know, looking for access to that type of care. And so we shared that insight with them and they were able to take particular action. And so very spot on, uh, Will, I think as, as workforces continue to change as well, especially in a lot of our core uh, employer customers that have um, a, lot of, uh, retent- a lot of retention and overturn, uh, their mm-hmm. workforce changes every single, every single right. year in, in different ways. And how can we be at the forefront of uh, bringing them up to speed and helping them curate better plans to offer to their workforce in the first place. Yeah, I think it's. I think it, first of all, you're empowering the consumer, the user, the end user, uh, with knowledge about what they should be looking at and and how they should be evaluating the the package that's in front of them. And the other side of that is just as important uh, over time is they're in the dark, so they're being pitched uh, on things, uh, you know, and they. You know, because I know that's based rather rather well. They don't know their population's needs, 
so it, it is it is a bit of a kind of a you know like you use the coca-cola reference uh the, the example earlier it's it's a shot in the dark you know for a lot of benefits leaders is is like they think they have a, you know the, the best guess if you will um but but I, and, but again it's some of it's driven by the squeakiest wheel you know somebody that's just they they need uh you know they, they just they like uh fertility uh, benefits uh which would be fantastic but it but it only represents one percent of the population but if they're the squeakiest wheel then that benefits manager for feels compelled to do something there but it only gets consumed by a very small percentage of the population and and therefore it's not a benefit i mean that's the that's the thing about benefits the word benefits it's it's not actually a benefit if people don't use it <laughs> so it's only sure. actually a benefit if you use the benefit <laughs> you know <laughs> so so i guess consumption is really interesting let me let me get your take on some of the trends that you're seeing because you get to sit on so much data and 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 you know with on the with the end user in in particular what are you seeing that they're that they want more of from companies from their from their employers from their employer yeah i think it i think you hit it on the head in in a comment you made earlier which is more and more more and more spend is being allocated towards the benefits at the employer level, uh, given that employers are realizing as the years go on that benefits is an area that uh, they need to continue investing in to retain and attract talent, but also make sure their workforce is healthy. But on the flip side, as the number of benefit offerings increases uh, sometimes twofold every few years, the ability to understand when particular benefits are applicable and really elevating the literacy of those benefits for the workforce is something that I think uh, employers don't have the resources for, especially employers that have you know smaller HR teams or perhaps a, a broker they might be working with. And so that's one of the, the biggest areas of focus for Naya is how do we continue making sure that not only during open enrollment, how can we make sure an employee is navigating to the right set of plans and offerings? But then how do we bring that back to the top of their mind when it's most relevant to them? And right. via via nudges and via education and via uh, events that we can hold with uh, our employer partners, we are really on a, on a track to continue making sure employees are smarter about, around their benefits, are using them the right way. And sometimes when particular benefits might not be relevant to them, how do we help them change to a different set of uh, benefits or change plans around to, to make sure they continue to be uh, as curated as possible to your particular situation? I like that because, you know, I I've get this question occasionally on the diminished return, like the array of benefits that we offer. It's expanding, but but the consumption isn't expanding. It's the same way. And so some of some of it, there's a pruning exercise. Like, okay, we're not people aren't using the pet insurance benefit that that we have. We we thought it was cool, and it was cool, and it was consumed for a while, but no one's using it now. So you know, this becomes an exercise on what to add and what to prune, what to take away, uh, based on based on consumption, based on real need and and uh, consumption, and also desire. Um, so, so you help people navigate that part as well. Yeah. And I love the example you gave around pet insurance. There's a handful of different 
uh, voluntary benefits that more and more employers are offering. And we find that with many of our customers, they've been offering these voluntary benefits like accident insurance, critical illness insurance, hospital indemnity insurance, disability. They've been offering these plans for years, but the, engagement, the, the, but the yeah. engagement rates aren't particularly high. Uh, oh, I can it's... share the example. I can share an example of a customer we actually just uh, paired together on a case study on uh, their, their name's Pegasus Senior Living. And they're a senior living uh, management facility that runs communities across the United States. They have over 3,000 employees. And this was the one challenge they came to us with, which was uh, on, the, on the medical side, everyone's electing the more expensive plan, but on the, on the voluntary benefit side, nobody actually knows what any of this is. And so we had two challenges. One was, uh, how do we teach employees the benefits of consumer-driven health plans? And the reality is most Americans shop for benefits the way they shop for fine wine, which is the more money you spend on something, the better you're going to get. Um, and, uh, um, and so within, within Pegasus and, you know, anybody can look at the case study we recently posted on our website, but we were able to help uh, one fourth of their employee base navigate the consumer driven health plan. And a consumer driven health plan is typically just a plan that has a slightly elevated deductible. And it makes sense for people that want to use an HSA or people that don't have as much out of pocket spend traditionally in a given year. Right. And then, and then we also saw, you know, over a 40% increase in critical illness plans and a 30% increase in accident insurance plans. And in our view, the only thing that we attributed to this increase in uh, engagement was education. Uh, for something like a cr critical illness plan, uh, insurance companies are paying uh, you know, a huge check to individuals that uh, might have anomalous events that happen and the same for accident insurance. And so with, with PET to your example, uh, my, my bet there, Will, is uh, a lot of your employees may not understand the benefit of pet insurance and when it kicks in and, and why it makes sense for them. And so uh, that's something that NIA is really focused on. Oh, I love that. You know, this happens with EAPs too. There's tons of EAP services that are out there um, that the employees don't consume because they either don't know it's available to them or, or it's, there's a stigma to it or, or whatever, or they think there's a cost or a hidden cost to it. And so they don't end up because they're not educated and it's not communicated. And, and, and it's stuff we offer every year because we've always offered it. So we always have it. And it's just, it's, it's, I know it drives benefits managers crazy because they're like, we have this. We like literally have, we've had this for 20 years. It's like, yeah, but you haven't communicated that you have it and you haven't, you know, told stories around it. And, uh, and, and so not shocking that it's not as consumed. Um, yeah. And if I could double click on that, well, sure. I think, I think one of the, the big challenges around um, offering new benefits into enrollment cycles is actually the, in addition to the education, uh, which is something we touched on is, the enrollment experience, right? Like enrollment oh, experiences 100%. for, I think enrollment experiences for your traditional medical or dental vision are, are somewhat streamlined uh, across whatever software you might use. But for the other benefits, it's, it ends up being, uh, you know, a really, really long and cumbersome process during enrollment. And, and as more and more employers use HR tech software to power this, uh, one of the strategies that we've taken uh, is partnering with these platforms to bring NIA to their to their customers. And so one example is uh, earlier this year, we 
announce the large partnership that we have with ADP Workforce Now. Uh, ADP runs payroll and benefits for several several thousand businesses, and joined together with with ADP, Naya can uh, improve the enrollment experience, but also the benefits literacy. But right inside the platform, and so during enrollment, instead of employees coming to a third party system, they would go right to ADP, for example, or others that we partner with. And I think being able to to tighten up the enrollment experience and make enrolling in benefits as fun as going to Amazon and doing a one-click buy. Like, why is benefits not as fun as shopping online for a new t-shirt? It should be. And that's something that I think with, with good software, with good user experience and the right data about the individual, that can become a reality. Oh, I love that. I'm glad you double-clicked on that. Health savings account. Could you explain that in layman's terms for folks? Because <laughs> I still think that most people don't understand what an HSA is. Sure. I think most people understand how a 401k works. Right. And how a 401k uh, works for, for those that don't is actually very similar to an HSA where you can contribute money into a 401k up to a certain limit every year uh, in a tax-free way where pre-tax being cut from your paycheck, you can put money into the into the 401k and your employer similarly can can match amounts uh, in a tax-free way as well. And the, the one caveat with the 401k is you cannot withdraw money from your 401k until post-retirement. Otherwise you pay a penalty and you also need to pay tax on it because you didn't put tax on the way in. With an HSA, it's, it's very, very similar. You can put money into your health savings account every single month uh, from a small withdrawal of your paycheck up to a certain amount, um, which is um, between three to $7,000, depending on the size of your family. But the, the caveat there, the difference between the 401k is you can start using that HSA to pay for things like co-pays, pay for things like um, drug spend, or when you're at the doctor and you want to pay for an out-of-pocket cost, you can use that HSA in a tax-free way immediately. Or if you don't use it in a given year, it rolls over and rolls over and rolls over. And so that's the one difference. And so if you're if you know that every year you're gonna you in the past few years you've had two or three thousand dollars out of pocket spend on medical expenses between you and your family, well then and and if you have a 30% tax bracket, then it makes so much sense to put money into an HSA. However, the one thing I will say is the uh, uh, lot of folks that are passionate about HSAs will say that. You shouldn't use it for day-to-day expenses. You should use your HSA as a vehicle to pay for post-retirement medical expenses. Mm -hmm. And so people have different schools of thought on how you should use it. Ultimately, my view and and the view um, that you'll see and even in our software through recommendations is it really depends uh, what your financial situation is. And, you know, given how much money you make and what your debt levels are and your family size and your adjusted cost of living, you know, we may recommend you to use it for year-over-year expenses. And if you're in a different financial situation, maybe it makes sense to wait for post-retirement. So it really, really depends, Will. But that's at a high level is how I view the HSA. Oh, thank you. I need I needed that. I know the audience needed that because, again, it's one of those things we should know these things by now because it's been around long enough. Um, but but again, it's it's confusing, I think, to the average person. Um, last, last question for me is where, where do you see Naya um, you know, in the next, you know, six, nine, 12 months, let's not go too out to flying cars or anything like that, but just like, where do you see the emphasis for y'all, you know, from a software perspective and, and customer perspective? Sure. So 
as we you know enter year year three year four of the business and have had multiple you know many of our customers continue on to year two year three year four of enrolling in their benefits uh, and decision support through Naya our software becomes stronger and stronger uh, every single week uh, via you know everything we're building and so as we continue to dive deeper into um, partnering with mid-market employers and larger employers, but also continue to expand on partnerships that we have with HR tech platforms and brokers, uh, like like the ADP example I gave. You know, the goal has always been, uh, how do we, you know, partner with a workforce and then optimize for a few things? One is improving benefits literacy. Two is helping the employer save money on um, plan spend, but also claim spend. And then how do we decrease the admin burden for employers, but also make sure that um, that the the peace and confidence of employees are elevated as well. And so as we you know enter open enrollment here again this year and next in the next couple of months, uh, that is you know going to be the the short term focus. And then into next year, it's um, you know highlighting on many of the things we discussed around how do you throughout the year give the right level of education to make sure that our employees are happy with all this money the employer is spending on, on the, on their care. And so as we, as we, um, you know, continue uh, Im- improving and partnering and focusing on expanding our customer set to a, a broader group of employers, uh, it's going to be very, very exciting to, to partner with them on, on making sure this is a reality. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much for carving out time for us, Akash. Well, it's been a true pleasure. Thanks for having me on the show and looking forward to staying in touch. Absolutely. And thanks for everyone listening to the Use Case Podcast. Until next time. You've been listening to Recruiting Daily's Use Case Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite platform and hit us up at recruitingdaily.com.